and welcome to the Malt House Games podcast. This is our amazing episode number 20. This is going to be an episode where we talk about Gen Con. And an episode where I'm standing on my tippy toes. Yes, today is our first episode where we are attempting to stand rather than sit. I walked about probably seven to eight miles per day at Gen Con. And I'm already more tired of standing right here still than I am of walking around Gen Con. It is exhausting, actually, already. But I've always read it kind of ups the energy and gets you in more of a mind space for something like this. Almost like you're more in more of a performance, I guess. And so we, I thought we would give it a shot. This just means we're going to be talking with our hands more. That's true, because I already am. I'm going to try not to now. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to knock over this mic stand that goes crashing down onto the floor. Along with both our beers, onto my rug again. And you get more elevator music. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, that would be horrible. But yes, welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. We are a tabletop games podcast where we talk about tabletop games like card games, board games, role-playing games. We drink beer on the podcast. We talk about beer, and we talk about our friends quite a bit. Hi, Brian. Yes, Brian and Allison and a bunch of other people, I think. Hi, Zach. <laughs> and Zach and Gates, and Alan, and a bunch of people. So, we have a lot of people to talk to. That's okay, we got to see a lot of people at Gen Con, which we will get to because it was a great time, and I don't just want to go into the topic because we have an organizational method to this podcast. You're getting so excited, you're already bouncing. I'm excited. Gen Con was a great time. Our vacation was great. Let's not talk about that yet. What have we done this week? We went to work yesterday, and we went to work again today. And that's, that's how it's been. I've had two half days, man. I can't complain too much. This is our week. It feels very lackluster since we got back from vacation. I guess we should probably just dive into the game. That way our Gen Con talk can be huge. What do you think? Yes. All right, let's do it. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. Delton, what are we drinking today? Get out the magical kitty paw of removal of the bottle caps. That was terrible. What? <laughs> so, today, our first beer is a Fieldhouse Wheat from Triton Brewing Co. Triton Brewing Co. is from Indianapolis. Told you. It says, an American wheat ale the way it's supposed to be. Crisp and refreshing, golden in color, with a white head. The Fieldhouse Wheat is moderately hopped with Amarillo hops for a thoroughly friendly experience. So, yeah, it's from Triton Brewing Company. It looks good. It's 5.4% alcohol by volume. Hand me a glass, I'll start pouring. My glass first, because I'm the lady. Okay, Del, how many times have we knocked the microphone stand in the last three and a half minutes? So just pouring the beers. Normally I pour the beers and we kind of don't talk too much during it, and I just cut that part out. Uh, we bumped it like three or four times. I so. even bumped it with my foot. Yeah, Haley's clumsy. It's, it's okay, I guess. And this is before alcohol. That is. So, Haley, try the beer. See how it tastes. Because we didn't try this one. We didn't try anything from Triton, actually. Every state we went on vacation, we got different beers. How is it? What was that look for? It's carbonated, but it's flat on the tongue. It's like the carbonation disappears by the time it reaches your front teeth. It's like if high C were beer. It's very carbonated, but it has a very smooth mouthfeel. So even though it's carbonated and has those bubbles, when you take the drink, it just, it does, I don't say it flattens out, but it feels almost thick which is strange. Like, as I'm talking right now, 
It's like I have to swallow again because it's thick in the mouth kind of thing. That's what she said. Uh, this is happening, apparently. It tastes like you mix high C with beer. I'm not necessarily opposed, but I'm not necessarily going to order it again. It's pretty good for a wheat, I think. It's not terrible, but not the greatest wheat beer. But all around, pretty solid. I would give it, I don't know, like a B. Not my favorite, but it's not something I would... Ne- like, if somebody handed me one, I would definitely drink it. Who wouldn't drink free beer? I mean, I guess that's a good point. I drank your Mr. Beer from your plastic beer keg you made back in 2014. You did. Those were weird and green after a while. Didn't die. Also true. So, since we're getting into the game, I'm going to put my beer down so I can actually talk with my hands. You should use it as a weight, like a grounding activity. No. Hold the beer in both of your hands. Well, I have to touch the game so I can read off the box. Fine. Okay, so this game we picked up at Gen Con. Spoiler for the topic of the episode. It is a game produced through Renegade Games. Now, it came out originally in 2015. I don't know if it was a different company or if it was Renegade and they just never reprinted it, so I don't know on that regard. But Renegade had it at their booth. It is Arboretum. It's a small card game designed by Dan Kassar and illustrated by the wonderful Beth Sobel. So Arboretum is a game about trees. Uh, I kind of like reading the back of the box. Nowhere in nature's beauty quite so evident as in the resplendent colors of an arboretum. I had to pause it, resplendent, whatever that means. In Arboretum, you create carefully planned paths for your visitors to walk as they take in the colorful explosions of buds and leaves. The cheerful cherry blossom, the fragrant dogwood, the mighty oak, all have a place in this peaceful haven, but the tranquil setting bellies the game's competitive heart. You must choose which cards to plant in your arboretum and which to keep in hand, as only the most expert curator will win the renown of nature enthusiasts everywhere. Isn't it belies? Belies. Bellies? It's belies. <laughs> yep. Yep, I said bellies. I added another L. I was really confused. I had to start reading the box with you. I was like, what does it do to the belly? This shows my vocabulary level, which is not very high when it comes to reading. Ugh, that was brutal. That was just a slaughter of the back of a box reading. (laughs) This is really bad. I feel like we should write an apology letter to Renegade. We probably should. But anyway, Arboretum. The way the game plays is you have a deck of cards. There are different tree types, like the dogwood, the maple, there's oak, there's a poplar, a blue spruce, and so on. You are dealt seven cards, and there is a deck in the middle of the table. On your turn, you do... I guess technically three things. You will draw two cards in any combination from the deck and each player's discard pile. So every player has their own discard. You then play one card from your hand. You then discard one card from your hand. And the next player goes. So play is very simple in terms of what you're actually doing and the actions you take. The problem is, within those simple draw two, play one, discard one, There is a lot of very difficult, like, analytical choices to make, deciding what goes where, how far should I plan, and what should I hold on to. So the key here is your cards lay down and build a tableau in front of you. They go in a grid, so cards have to go next to each other, facing the same direction. Uh, The term is orthogonal, up, down, left, right. There's some vocabulary for you. Boom, 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 boom. That was a really good vocabulary, Delton. That was a good vocabulary? It was. Thank you. So you lay the cards in a tableau. They have to be adjacent to each other. So you lay down a card. Let's say it's a four dogwood. Okay? 
in your hand, at, let's say that's all you had down was a four dogwood and a six dogwood, okay? And they're right next to each other. That would create a path. So a path in the game is the beginning of the path starts with one card like a dogwood, and it has to end with the same type of card, so another dogwood. However, you have to have, you don't have to, but you have to have cards between those. And depending on how you do it is dependent on how many points you get. So if you laid a four, five, six, seven all in a row touching, whether they're, uh, there's a card like a four, the five goes above it, the six to the right of the five, the seven above it, that would be a continuous path. And since they're all the same type of card connecting, they're actually worth an extra point a piece. So normally, if it was a four dogwood, a five blue spruce, a six oak, and a seven dogwood, you would connect the path between those dogwoods. So you would have a four, then it would have to go five, six to that seven, you would get a point a piece. So it sounds kind of strange. It's really hard to explain. I had an issue teaching the rules to people because it's just kind of odd. That's just because Allison and I were really, really sleepy and a little grumpy. That's also true. But what you do is when you make those paths, you can have anywhere from a one to an eight. So you could have a one blue spruce and it could end with an eight blue spruce, which would be amazing. The cards on that path have to continue ascending. So if you put a one, you have to have to follow a path anything higher than a one after it in that path direction. So if I laid a one on the table and I laid a one to the right of it, and then I laid a two, three, four, five, six, that first one couldn't go down that path because the second one next to it blocks it. So the card next to it to follow a path always has to be a higher value. It doesn't have to be directly a continuation. So like a two to a three, you could do a two to a five, but you always have to have that for them to follow paths. Is this making any sense right now? Yes. Kind of. I recommend watching a video on this for sure because the rules description is kind of weird. But anyway, you're laying these down, playing these paths. The cool thing about it is you're not just playing cards and trying to make paths. At the end of the game, everyone will always have seven cards in hand. Since you draw two, play one, discard one, you never actually lose the amount of cards you're holding at the end of a turn. So at the end, you all reveal your hands. Now, this is the hardest part, I think, of this game and the tough decisions that you'll make. It's not only trying to figure out how to lay your tableau to make multiple connecting paths of ascending numbers, some of them all of the same type of tree to get extra points, utilizing the eight for a bonus, utilizing the one for a bonus, and all those things. When you reveal those cards at the end of the game, if you wanted to score your path that you made from a two blue spruce to an eight blue spruce, you have to have a, some sort of blue spruce or multiple blue spruces in your hand. Now, those cards, like I said, are numbered one through eight. So if you reveal your hand and you've got a four blue spruce in your hand and Haley has a six blue spruce in her hand, Haley then is the only one who could score any blue spruces in their tableau. So this would effectively block you from scoring that great path you may have made. So there's this weird struggle of, do I utilize this seven or do I keep it in my hand and just go with the six that I have kind of thing? So do I play these cards? Do I keep them in hand to make sure I can score? If you're not sure if someone has a certain card, it's hard to play because like last night, me and Haley played this game again. I was trying to score and I had a four in my hand, just hoping, just hoping that I was going to be able to steal this away from Haley. She ended up keeping the five and the six of that same color or same type of tree. 
So she was able to still score those cards on her tableau. Is this making sense or am I too confusing? Nope, it makes sense to me. All right, so that's the hard part about this game. It's do I play these for points? Do I play them to help make my tableau bigger and more versatile in terms of the different numbers and paths? Or do I hold those cards in hand, the higher value ones, and go for lower value path points? But with the higher value card in hand, I'm ensuring that I get to score those lower value path points. Where if I don't and I keep the low card in hand, I could potentially miss out. And so there's this weird tuggle of decision, tuggle, struggle. <laughs> I was thinking tug and pull and struggle. I like that term the best. Tuggle. We're going to reintroduce, we're going to introduce tuggle into the American vocabulary. You mean into the uh, definition book? To the definition book. All right. So we have a tuggle. We have a struggle and like tug and pull of do I play this card? Do I keep this card? Because then you have to discard at times. So if you discard a card to the discard pile that you really want, you have a chance to get it back. But I'm going to steal it. She will steal it because everyone has their own discard pile. So if you discard a seven blue spruce, hoping to draw it back again, it likely might not happen because if someone sees you're laying blue spruce down to make a path, they could take that seven, almost ensuring a victory, or at least ensuring they block you from being able to score those points. The only weird hiccup is if you have an eight in your hand, and you reveal your hands at the end of the game, and you have an eight, if any other player has a one, it makes your eight worth nothing. It essentially prevents people from holding all eights. But that's essentially how it plays. I hope that makes sense. It's a little confusing to explain, but the game is really good. Just the tough decisions you have to make, and how you lay out your tableau in different paths and different ways, and watching what everyone's kind of doing and saying, okay, well, she's laid an eight down. If I can get the seven, then I know that she won't have anything in hand high enough to score that and I can block it. And you have to start thinking about those things. And you don't want to use all of one color card. You want to hold on to some to make sure you get to score those points. And it's just this weird struggle and tug and pull, this tuggle. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of just hard decisions to make. And we found for just such a simple card game that's a deck of cards, it still takes us, well, what's the box say on playtime? 30 minutes? It's about 30 minutes. And it doesn't seem like it would take that long, but man, it's just some tough decision making. And it really feels nice when you lay something out and you get these cool connections. I really like too that in the rules, it says at the end of the game, if you get to score something, you get to take the most beneficial route to you. So you could have a weird like L shape, or like I guess a weird U shape that makes the most points. It doesn't force you to take the quickest path. It lets you take the most beneficial or highest point path. It's just been a really good game from the couple plays we've played already. I like the tiebreaker rules. So last night, Delton and I played, and I won 26 to Delton's 23. Her, 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 But the night before last, Allison and Delton and I all played. And Allison and I ended up winning with the tied score of 26. So we looked at the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker was whoever had the most variety of trees in their tableau. Well, Allison and I both tied on that as well. We both had four different kinds of trees in our little garden. So we went to the next rule breaker, which was each of you plant a tree. Come back in five years and see which one is tallest. I'm winning. You didn't plant a tree. You got corn in the backyard. I got a cottonwood growing in the front yard. It's about three inches tall. Those are going to get mowed over when I mow the yard. You later better on. not mow my tree. I got to win <laughs> this against Allison. I don't think she's planted her tree yet. Shoot. But yes, that second tiebreaker, I think, is just hilarious. It's, it's just goofy, but at the same time, I like the sentiment of go plant a tree and do something like that. It's just really neat. But 
my tree will destroy hers. It's like a whole new Transformers, like a hippie Transformers. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a really, really fun game. Uh, there is a misprint on the back of the cards, which I find kind of hilarious, where they left the first R out in Arboretum. So it says Aboretum on the back of every card. I don't know how they're going to reconcile that. They're just going to have to change it for the next printing. They just changed the name of the game to Aboretum. That'd be hilarious. It would make no sense. Cards are fixed. Right. Uh, but the game's been really good. I think some people aren't going to like it for the thinkiness of it. It's kind of like playing an abstract game. Kind of like playing something like if somebody doesn't like Azul or... Which, how could you not like Azul, by God? Yes, if they don't like something like Azul, um, I'm trying to think of another one that's kind of that abstracty, but not so far to be like Gip or Chess or the Duke. Haley is perusing the shelves, trying to spot something that fits this description. Kind of like a Lotus. So if someone doesn't like something like, the, like Lotus as well, where it's a little abstracted, but there's some theme on top of it that makes it make sense what you're doing, but... It's tough decisions. It's a lot of calculating in your head. It's trying to decide when to do what. Some people might not like that, and so I don't know that those people would like this. However, I think after your first play, it really just clicks, and then it's so easy to continue from there. If they don't like Arboretum or Lotus, maybe they just don't like plants. They might just not like plants, yeah. But it's a really good one. We really like the game. We recommend picking it up. It's not very expensive. It's like 20 bucks, maybe 25 really they're going to be putting out a deluxe edition this fall where every single card is foil. It's going to be gorgeous. I just went with the regular. I love it. Uh, Beth Sobel did a really good job on the art and everything. But we recommend Ar Arboretum. 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 It's been super fun, and we think you should pick it up. Seconded. But the best part about this story of Arboretum is where we picked up Arboretum. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. At Gen All right, I throat chopped her so she would stop <laughs> all that noise. All right, so. How dare you? I am a lady. Not a lady. So what we've done between last episode and this episode, as we said last episode, was go to Gen Con. Before we went to Gen Con, though, we took a road trip for ourselves. Some vacation time to get out, see some new places, stay at some Airbnbs, and just have some fun. So before we get to the Gen Con shenanigans, I would like to at least bring up some of the things that we got to do on vacation. So day one of the vacation, the first day, we took off to Memphis in Tennessee. I almost said Memphis in Nashville. We stopped off in Little Rock, Arkansas, had some really good vegan banh mi's. Mm -hmm. The banh mi's were very good. They were kind of like almost, I, I guess I would call it a deconstructed banh mi. wasn't actually on bread, but it had these little like giant croutons. There was bread. There was bread, but it wasn't on bread like a normal banh mi. But it was really good. We continued into Memphis, though, and we got to Memphis. We had never, I had never been to Memphis. Haley had stopped through, I believe. I've stayed a couple of times. Have you? Yeah. Okay. On the way to Bonnaroo... Whenever I was 20, we came in, we were trying to get to Nashville in one trip, but we got too tired and stopped off in Memphis, ended up staying at the Hallmark Hotel right off of I-40, where we paid 50 bucks in cash. We could leave by 7 o'clock in the morning, and we were good to go. Terrifying. My couch was chained to my front door. That's so awesome. Such a sketchy-sounding motel. It was, but I survived. You did survive. But we stopped at Memphis and stayed in a really cool... Airbnb it was like a, a, a house from 1910 
We stayed upstairs. It was its own little apartment. Super cute place. Really awesome. Had no issues at that place at all. Uh, We got to go around the next day and check out. We drove by Beale Street. We didn't stop because there was too much partying. It's not really our scene. We were in bed by six o'clock every night but Gen Con. That's very true. We were. Or at least like in the Airbnb watching Shameless. We watched literally a lot of Shameless. Like the last two seasons that we'd missed, we had binged and finished tonight, actually. But we got to go see some cool stuff. We got to go to Ernestine and Hazel's, a cool historic bar that used to have a brothel upstairs. We sat and talked to Clarence, the bartender, forever. Yeah, it was a Saturday about 11 o'clock. And so it was us and then maybe one or two people would come in. So mostly we just sat and talked to Clarence for two hours, complain about scooters. Yeah, they have these scooters that you can rent with your phone through an app. And these people are riding them and going way too quickly, not wearing helmets, being reckless on them, riding in the street. And he was throwing a fit like an old man would. I think he's okay to do that. He's been working in that bar for 11 years, he said. I'm ready to be an old man so I can just rant all the time. That's all you do anyway. Am I an old man yet? I think so. Yes. Nobody has seen your old man face. (laughs) And they will not either. It's the funniest old man face when she's washing her face off, like in the shower or something. It's just this old man face with her like lips perched up together, almost like she has no teeth. It's hilarious. She's an old man. Anyway. That's why you married me for my looks. Yep. Uh, We got to go to a distillery in Memphis. Uh, We did get to see the Lorraine Motel which is the motel where Martin Luther King was assassinated. That was very heavy imagery, a very thought-provoking area with a lot of history, and it was really cool to see, but it was heavy. It was very heavy, but it was, it was good to be able to go and experience it. It fostered a lot of discussion between you and I throughout the trip. It, it really, really made us think. Especially about Memphis in general and its diversity, as well as its history economically, politically, and everything like that. But, but moving on past the you know, sobering thoughts and, you know, that kind of stuff. Memphis was really cool. We only went through one neighborhood where there was bars on the church windows. That was an accidental turn. And it was fine. We just drove through the neighborhood and then got back on the highway once we figured out where we were going. (laughs) Uh, Memphis was cool. It was a neat little town. I got to go to the famous Memphis drum shop, which if you're a drummer and you go on and look at anything from mysymbol.com, people testing out symbols, that's all through Memphis drum shop. And so I got to go to the shop and check it out, and check out their vintage collection. It was very, very cool, and I'm super happy I got to go. We went to one brewery in Memphis, which is Memphis Made. I got a glass from there, because I think their logo is pretty simple and clean. So I thought that was cool. But that was basically our days in Memphis. Then in Nashville, we got to see Ellie. Hi, Ellie. So we got to see our friend Ellie in Nashville. We went to Third Man Records, which is Jack White, The White Stripes. It's his label. I only cried twice. Very true. And we got to see some of the cool stuff. I bought a bottle opener for my keychain, which, since we drink beer on the podcast, it makes perfect sense, even though I'm not using it right now. Keys are too noisy for the podcast. That's why we have the kitty paw, because kitties are silent. Uh, not Steve. But we got to do a lot of cool stuff in Nashville. We got to see the Hootie Hooers, or the Bridesmaids, uh, what is it, Bachelorette Party? Yes. So on buses? Everywhere you look, there are these big buses, or just hordes, or gaggles, or murders of girls. Murder. Definitely a murder. A murder. And all of them are wearing black tank tops except for one, which is the bride wearing a white tank top. And this wasn't just an isolated event. This was a Monday afternoon at like 3 o'clock p.m. And there were probably at least five or six of these groups out there. And so every day I conveniently wore a black tank top just in case I needed to slide off into the sunset. I could just blend in. It's crazy how many go out there and party. Broadway, the main street in Nashville, 
if you like country and western music or just want to see live music, we were there on a Monday at like noon and every single bar and restaurant had somebody playing. So it's a pretty cool little area. We went to a bar and had a drink, went to another bar and just checked it out. Country music's not my thing. Haley's very particular on it. And so we didn't stay too long. Pre-95, man. Boo. <laughs> Swear to God, he's going to diss Johnny Cash and I'm going to cut him. That's okay. I just won't. Good. In public. I'll do it on the internet later. Troll. Yep. Anyway, so we got to see Nashville, do some cool stuff, eat some good food from a really sketchy looking Thai food place that was actually one of the like highest rated Thai food places. And one of the best Thai food places we've ever had in our lives. It was very good. And we got to see the Nissan Stadium for the Titans, which I don't really care about, but the stadium was massive, so that was cool. Uh, we did a bunch of stuff in Nashville. Just kind of drove around, hung out with Ellie, went to a couple restaurants, a brewery, went to Yazoo. Anything else big we did in Nashville? Basically watched a whole season of Shameless. That too. So that was our Nashville. Nashville was more touring around doing that stuff. The next day we went to Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. We literally got into town, ate, went to the Airbnb and dropped off luggage, went to Kroger, back to the Airbnb at like five, and we watched Shameless all night. That was our like middle of the day relaxing or middle of the trip relaxing day before Gen Con. Nobody's ever going to want to go on vacation with us. We sound so lame. We're old. But I can't be doing all this like late at night crap. I know. It's like we get out and we, we leave the Airbnb by eight o'clock. We're back by five. It's like we're working a full time job than coming home and relaxing. That's basically on vacation. Basically what it was. If our full time job was to explore. Yes. But we left Louisville and made our way north to Indianapolis. We got to our Airbnb in Carmel where we dropped off luggage and all that kind of stuff. And we went downtown to the pre-Gen Con, like, keg-tapping party out on Georgia Street. I think now is a good time to pour our second beer before we get into this Gen Con madness. I think so, because we'll talk enough that we won't drink it very quickly. And Delton's hands are already dangerously close to knocking over his new computer. No, it's a, it's a ways away from the mic. She's just uh, exaggerating. Hyperbole! 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 So we went to the, like, keg-tapping, I think is what they call it. Like a uh, little party, not really little, outside of Gen Con, the Indianapolis Convention Center on Georgia Street. They had live music. They had Island Noodle, which we got to eat. They had beer. We got to do try the new Sun King uh, beer they made for Gen Con. We made a friend. One guy sat next to us while we were eating our first dish of Island Noodle. And we were just kind of talking about where you're from, da 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 da. And as he finishes his noodles, he goes to, go to leave and he hands us his business card. He said, Here's my business card. Now this trip's a tax write-off, and he leaves. Which is pretty much what Haley did with her presentation as a tax write-off. Right. But he... <laughs> Why didn't I think of that, man? Just pass out my business cards, and bam, it's a and business be done. trip. Oh, I'd be nice. Uh, uh, we, I'd feel terrible. <laughs> we got to talk about the beer. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a sin. So it's from Three Floyds Brewing. It is the Alpha King Pale Ale. Alpha King is a bold yet balanced American pale ale with slight sweetness and aggressive citrus hoppiness. Um, I don't know what percentage alcohol this is. The label was by Zimmer Design. Uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool little label. It's out of Munster, Indiana. Shall we try it? Go ahead and try it out. I'm going to sit here and watch you as you drink it. She's drinking it. She's putting her glass down. She made a hmm and raised her eyebrows. It seems a little hoppy for a pale ale. They do have some citra hop in there, giving it that, uh, that very citrusy. Citra aroma. hop tongue. But then the aftertaste is like you're licking sheet metal in a good way. It's a very earthy. 
I feel like they use Citra hops as their late stage hops to give it that nice aroma and that like front of the mouth punch. But then I feel like they use a lot of earthy hops early on. So that way it has like a nice rounded finish. It almost tastes metallic to me. I don't see the metallic quite yet, but maybe I'll get there. We'll see. Have to drink more. I know. We went to this. We had some Island Noodle. We had a beer. And then we got to hang out with the one and only Alan Girding from the Tuesday Night Podcast, which, as you guys know, I assist sometimes when he sends me stuff editing their podcast. And this was our first time to see him since last year. And we have developed more of a relationship throughout working together. So it was nice to go to dinner with him and actually be able to visit and get to know him a little better. I felt really bad, though. I'm surprised he let us on his podcast because... Because <laughs> we walked so far. I led him on a, what ended up being nearly three mile hike walk. No, I mean, we only walked about a mile and a quarter mile but and a half. Then we walked back. Well, we walked about three quarters of a mile one direction, and then we came back. We didn't quite hit the mile mark. I think we went a little further than that, but we were going to a vegan restaurant that ended up closing by the time we got there. And then we had to walk back and get him some vegan pizza somewhere else. And I felt like a jerk, but he ended up still being my friend. It was okay. It was a lot of fun. We got to hang out and chat and he got, he ate dinner. We just had waters because we ate before that. But that was a really cool, like beginning to Gen Con was getting to sit and talk with Alan. There was the live music. We got to have a beer. And then we got to the Airbnb and did all that cool, fun stuff, which was watch some Shameless before we go to sleep. <laughs> there's a there's a cycle to this. Pattern uh, here. There's a pattern to this vacation. Just wait until you hear about Friday night. I know. Ooh. So Thursday morning rolls around the first morning of Gen Con. We get down there at like eight o'clock. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, was yeah. earlier than that. We left the no. Airbnb at like six forty-five. Man, no, it was later. Remember, we got out later than that because we hit all that traffic. I think we still made it there at like 7.30, We were there early. Either way, we got there early, got a good parking spot. Actually, no, we didn't get a good parking spot. Remember, they were taken. No, that was we the came first in a little night. Bit. Oh, was that just the first night? Oh, well, then I guess that was Wednesday night. Well, Thursday morning, we got there, got our parking spot, and made our way into the convention hall to stand around and wait for the hall doors to open. We got to go in, do everything we wanted to do, and experience Gen Con, and that's it. Just kidding. First day was awesome. We got to do a whole bunch of stuff. We got a review copy, which we will be doing a video review before the end of the month of the Sagrada expansion from Floodgate Games. So thank you, Floodgate, for that. We'll be doing a video review, like I said, before the end of the month and getting that out on YouTube. Speaking of the gate part of Floodgate Games, who else did we hang out with this trip? Our friend Gates. Hi, Gates. We love you. She actually lives in Tulsa, which is like an hour and a half from here, but just we're all so busy, we never end up driving that and making that trip. So it was cool to be able to hang out a little bit. Yeah, we had a drink with her the night before Gen Con, hung out and had some wine. And then we stopped by her booth like three or four times throughout the day, checking in like happy little children, check into their mother. Hi, Gates! Before going off and have more adventures in the park. That's exactly what it was. We got to take a look at Bosk, which is a new sort of abstract game that Floodgate is going to be putting out with amazing art by Quanchai Moria, as always. It's so pretty. There's so many bright, beautiful colors. Yep, we got to see Bad Maps, which is a programming pirate-themed game, which is really cool. They had a giant Sagrada with huge dice and everything. I guess it's a one-off printing just for them from their production company. Uh, I guess, sadly, they're not going to sell it because it's at a price point. It would have to be at a price point to make a profit, like any profit, or even, I guess, break even, that it just would not be worth it. Oh, it'd be worth it. It would, but it wouldn't. For me. 
Well, they don't want to sell it because it would be such limited people that buy it. That's true. I think if they did like a special, like if you order it, we'll sell it to you <laughs> kind of thing where people pay up front. And if they get like 50 copies, they print them. I don't know. First day, we got to go talk to everyone. So we went and saw Alan and Sean again. Went and talked to Gates. Uh, we got to talk to Ben Canellis, who we reviewed his game Bitten on the last episode. So we actually got to talk and meet to Ben. We ended up having lunch with him one of the days, which was really cool. And we got to play test his new game, which we made sure to talk to Floodgate about what we can say. But it's so far, it is called Kill, Kill All, All Humans. Humans. Now, everything in this game, the theme, the play, everything is subject to change because it's not officially done. But they have signed it. So it's going to be produced through them. It's a social deduction game where everyone knows your role except for you, which was a very cool twist. It has like a question asking element to it. So you can throw people off, lie, tell the truth. And then there's these cool cards that restrict what you can say and do. Those little rules are how you get points. I loved Bitten. I loved Mr. Ben's game, Bitten. Whenever we reviewed it, I mean, I, I gushed about it. But this one, Kill All Humans, or whatever it's going to be called, I liked it even more. I loved the hidden role aspect, the bluffing aspect, as well as the little rules that keep changing, keep you on your toes, so you have to watch other people's behavior. You all know that I'm a people watcher, and I like to watch other people's behavior, watch, can figure out their motives, even try and figure out what their tells are. And so an entire game based on getting points from watching other people is right up my alley. You do enjoy the social aspect of a social deduction game. More so than myself. I like the hidden role aspect more, and you like the social aspect more. I mean, that aside, I still love social deduction games, and this one's very cool. I'm super stoked, super excited to see whenever it's going to come out, see what they turn it into, if they keep it the same, the artwork they use. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be one to definitely grab when you see it through Floodgate. So we got to do that. Uh, we got to play test Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr from Hub Games. We got to meet Rory, the owner of the company, as well as Michael Fox, who we talked to on Twitter and uh, get, got to sit and play that with him. I am so ready to play that again. I'm sure we will be reviewing that pretty darn soon. We will review it as soon as I can get my hands on it. Because we want to play it again. Oh my gosh. There's the right balance of anxiety and anticipation and excitement and dread in that game to keep you engaged with every single emotion. You can, All the feelings wheel. The entire feelings wheel is activated. When you are playing this game and you are completely sucked in for two hours trying to get this guy's story and save his life. And it's phenomenal. It's very, very good. You can look at videos online where Michael explains how to play, shows you some of the stuff. Essentially, you're helping someone stay alive while also trying to find out memories from him to be able to find like next of kin and things like that. You will cry. It's very, very good. You it's will a, cuss out the sick guy. It's a cooperative game. Yes, you will. And it's you've truly played the game, they said, if you've at least cussed him out a couple times. And cried once. Yes. They said you had to cuss him out twice, cry once. It's worth it. It's a very, very, very good game. Uh, we're super looking forward to it. Like I said, once I can get my hands on a copy in whatever manner, I will be reviewing it. Uh, I'll likely do a video because it's worth it. You gotta show that graphic design. The graphic design's very good. That was uh, one of the things I really, really liked about it is it's so clean. And everything makes sense just immediately. And so I liked it a lot. But let's stop now so we can save all that for a future episode. Yes. Uh, we also got to play Coimbra, which was a new release. Uh, it's an Eggerspiele game from Germany that has been brought over by Plan B Games. And we ended up picking it up because I liked it so much. But we played a game of that, and it's very, very good. Where is that? Oh, I put it on the played shelf because we played it. Forgot about that. 
What nope. else did we get to play? We played Reef. The Re- new... Reef was really cool. Let me think of his name. Let me think of his name. Come on, what's his name? What's his name? He did Century Golem Edition. Hold on, hold on. He did all the Century games. Emerson. Yep. Emerson, Emerson. Emerson Matsuchi. Matsuchi. Yeah, M-A-T-S-U-U-C-H-I, I believe. Matsuchi. We didn't meet him this year, but we met him last year when we picked up Century Golem. He was a nice fella. Oh, he was very nice. But it's another abstracted game. Um, I wouldn't say similar to Azul, which a lot of people are saying. Similar to Azul. Very different play style. But it's an abstracted game that has a theme thrown on top of it that actually makes sense. You're building a coral reef, trying to use these cards to take pieces and build, but also score off the second half of the card. Very cool little game. I wasn't necessarily blown away, but I liked it a lot. So it's, it's one I would definitely pick up to have and play. I think it's accessible for newer players for sure. But it's a very, very good game. Like I would throw it up there pretty close with Azul, probably. Like It's definitely in that realm and that genre and style of games where it's a thematic abstract. And you make pretty things. And you make pretty coral. But it's a really cool game. We got to play test it. What else did we play test? Anything big? Oh, Ticket to Ride New York. Yes. Which was cool. The 15 minute ticket to ride where you're building. So it's the same premise as regular ticket to ride, mm-hmm. except your map is smaller. It is basically the island of Manhattan and you are placing taxis. So the routes are shorter. The game all in all with four players took us like 13, 14, 15 minutes. And I won. I won. I beat you by like four or five points. I won, honey bun. I won. They gave me the little thing. Remember? Oh. You got the butt. We both got a button or a oh, pin. Oh, that's right. Okay, I, I got second won. place. I won the game. Don't even act like uh, you won the game. sorry. It was a really cool game. I think if you like Ticket to Ride, but you don't like the length of play, the length of teardown, and if you just want something quicker and shorter and faster, Ticket to Ride New York is definitely the answer. But I like all Ticket to Rides. It was on my 10 by 10 this year, but Delton sucks. We just haven't finished it yet. We'll get there. But what else? Did we get to play anything else on the floor? I know we played that lumberjack game that was okay. I don't think we played anything else at the con. I don't think so either. Our actual game playing was still pretty low. It was more than last year, but it was still pretty low. And it was just because the tables were full all the time. Oh, we played the new Sulkin twin. Oh, we got to play. I always pronounce it incorrectly. Normally, I would call it Tenochtitlan, which I think is the same thing, but it was pronounced Teotihuacan. It was spelled like T-E-O-T-I-H-O-U-C-A-N. We could just be uncultured white people. We really could. Uh, it's made by the same guys who made Sulkin, I believe, and they say it's like a spiritual successor. It's the, the, it's the, one the, of the wife. Partners, the wife, yeah. I think they're, I think their husband and wife design team. It's the female who created this new game. Yes, it was very, very good. I Haley said it was similar to something we already have, so she was not super stoked about it. I really, really liked the game, and I'm super excited to pick it up, especially when they announced the price point of it, which was what forty five dollars MSRP. I expected the game to be sixty to seventy. So I'm super, super, super excited about it. You were comparing it to Lorenzo, if that's what you're looking for. That's right. I was comparing it. See, it I don't me- see it at all, that connection. Aside from the fact there's a Euro and there's some dice involved. But that's me. It just reminded me so much of Lorenzo. You know, you, you change the tracks to get more points and you're using your die to do certain abilities, which helps you to have certain powers. And not that it's a bad thing by any means. Just being that we already have Lorenzo Magnific- El Magnifico on the shelf, it wasn't different enough for me to be like, ah, oh, snap, man, I need that right now. I felt like I needed it right now, but it's not on sale yet, so I have to wait. 
Well, you also spent all of your Gen Con money by 10.15 on the second day. That's also true. 10.15 a.m. That's also true. The con literally had been open, probably active hours. So you had eight hours the first day, about an hour the second day, and Delton had spent all of his money. There are a lot of games at Gen Con to buy if you're going to buy games, which is a lot of the reason I go to Gen Con is to talk to people, meet people, try out some new games, but also pick up some games and just have like a once a year go all out kind of thing. Like I've really cut back on my game buying to the point to where I haven't been buying anything for a couple months before Gen Con. Yay, adult responsibilities. I know, but what I do is I save up some of my budgeted money that's just mine to go do whatever stupid stuff I want with. I save it up, take it to Gen Con, and then I spend it there playing games and buying games and picking up promos and stuff like that. That's just something I enjoy, and I'm lucky to be privileged enough to be able to do that and have a you know, the jobs that we have and the position in life that we can. And so I'm really happy about that, even though that's not the whole reason we go to Gen Con. I'm really happy that you only went $1 over budget. That's true. And the things I bought to go over budget are two things you were wanting. Hell yeah. So I think that's what makes you okay with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I don't know that we got to play much else. We played this little lumberjack game that was fine. It was dice rolling. Um, What else did we play? I think that's it. We got to meet a whole list of people. We got to see a whole bunch of games that are going to be coming out. I didn't stop at any one booth for too long. They actually talked about this. 520 vendors were in the vendor hall. If you stopped at every single vendor booth for an equal amount of time over the entire course of the vendor hall's hours, you could spend like a minute and a half at each vendor hall or each booth. That's ridiculous. They broke it down like by actual times and minutes and stuff, and it was nothing. So it was basically like, there's no way to see everything. You're not going to get to do everything you want to do. You have to pick and choose, which is what we did, as well as walking in circles. We walked in a lot of circles. We did. We got really hungry. (laughs) We did. We got really hungry, but we did find out about Three Carrots, which was a phenomenal vegan restaurant about a mile and a half from the venue. We had to, we walked there the first day, regretted it, and then lifted there the next day. We did not go hungry. We did not go hungry as vegans, which was awesome. And as we were walking around, we met some neat people. We got to meet Quan Chai Moria. We got to meet Quan Chai Moria. He uh, was Arguably so... the greatest artist right now in the board game industry. He's so nice. I really like to meet him. Like, not only is his art great, yep. but he was just so sweet the entire conversation. He gave us his time. Yes, he was very, very nice. Like, we, we didn't interrupt a conversation, but we caught him as he was finishing one, and we stopped him just to, literally just to fangirl out. All I did the whole time was compliment him, because he's good. I love, absolutely love his artwork. I love what he's doing in the industry, and it was just cool because he was receptive to it, he thanked us for it, and he actually had a conversation with us. And it wasn't just take the compliments and leave. He sat and talked to us, and it was, he was super, super nice. It was one of the highlights of the show. On Facebook for the last three days, it has been suggesting him as my friend. We need to just add him. Just bloop, bloop, add, add. Be my friend, Quan Chai. <laughs> exactly. So let's see, who all did we get to meet? We got to meet Quan Chai Moria. We got to meet uh, Ben. Ben. We got to meet Ben Canellis. Both Bens. We got to meet Ben Rossett, who designed Brewcrafters and uh, what's the game through Stonemeyer? Between Two Cities. Yes. We got to actually visit with Isaac Vega. From Plaid Hat Games, which, one of the designers of Dead of Winter. Which, who is our friend on Facebook now. Woo woo! Uh, we got to meet him. We got to meet Paul Dean from Shut Up and Sit Down, which was really cool. Paul was really nice. We got to talk psychology with him. We, we did. We weren't even talking about board games. 
we were not, which was crazy. Uh, we got to finally meet Lindsay Road and actually meet her. Should we tell the story? Oh, we can. So on one of the episodes of Tuesday Night po- Games podcast, Lindsay was on. And something Lindsay talked about is that she hates when people come up to her and she doesn't remember them. She says she has a hard time with remembering people uh, with remembering people because when you meet so many people at a convention, it's hard. And she said she had somebody come up one time and say, hey, you know, how are you? How have you been? And she was like, oh, I'm good. Uh, how have you been? You know, it's been a while. And the guy, I guess the guy was like, no, we haven't met before. I just know you because of, you know, this or that or designing this game. And so she talked about how she finds it so awkward that she just goes along with it. So I had the great idea to have Haley. She works for Dog Mike Games and the owner Mike is super nice. So shout out to Mike. He's very awesome. Very sweet. And so I decided to have Haley go up and start talking to her as if she knew her personally. And I'm really good at that. Yes, she is. So I walk up and I go, and I'm, she's helping a customer, and so I wait until she's finished helping those customers, and I say, Lindsay, and just put my arms out. It's like, it's been since last year since I've seen you. Oh my gosh, how have you been? And she's like, I've been great. How are you? How have you been? Then awesome. I was like, how's your con? She's like, mine has been great. What have you been up to the last year? I said, oh, just looking forward to this. And I like have her in this conversation, pulling her in deep, pretending like we had this great connection last year. And I see she's struggling. I'm starting to feel bad. I see it in her eyes. There's that panic. And so I grab her arm and I pull her close and I go, we've never met before. And she just grabs her head, grabs her hair and goes, what? I said, I'm Del. She has spoken to Delton via Twitter a few times. I'm Delton's wife. And I pulled Delton up. and. Mike said that he was just about to come up and intercede on the conversation because my name tag was backwards to try and help her out, but decided against (laughs) it. And so we just kind of let her struggle a little bit. Not too long. I don't think it was too cruel, but still, it was pretty funny. Oh, it was hilarious to see the panic ensue in that moment. Oh, it was very, very, very good. So we got to meet Lindsay finally, and we got to talk to Mike and meet him. Uh, We went to the booth that has, I think it's a Gorus Maximus, the little yes. it's a it's a gladiator themed trick taking game that Quanchai illustrated. Met and board game Bella. Yes, we got to meet Bella from Board Game Bella through Twitter. We got to meet Christina from Blue Peg, Pink Peg. She is Pink Peg, and we got to meet Brandon. I believe his name was from Brawling Brothers. Is that right? Yes, it was Brandon of Brawling Brothers. We got to sit and talk to them and finally meet them because I see him on Twitter and I follow their stuff a lot. So that was really cool. Haley got to chase down some guy from True Blood. His name's Joe Magnello. I don't know. Magnaleone. Well, basically, he's walking by the booth, and Christina is talking to Bella. He's like, oh, wait, stop, stop. Oh, there he goes. And he just walks by, and they're staring at him, and they're talking about wanting a picture. And I was like, do you guys want a picture with him? They're like, yeah, we kind of do, or something like that. And I was like, want me to go chase him? And they're like, if you want to. So I take off, and I chase him. And I catch up to him, and I don't know what his name is, so I just, I'm just yelling, Sir! 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 Like some weird customer service agent. And he turns to me and goes, Yes, I say, my friends back here want a picture with you. And he says, well, go grab them. And I was like, where will you be? And he says, I'll be over here. So I turn around start to go grab them, and I see Bella and Christina running after me. We're here, we're here. And so I say, here are my friends. They want pictures with you. And so they got their pictures taken. And afterward, I got a full... Do you ever get one of those hugs that you just feel like you're engrossed in the body, like you become one? It's such a deep and warm and inviting, wonderful hug. That's what Christina gave me afterward, and I felt so happy. It was really funny. I believe that helped Christina have 
an extra good con. And then Haley had the fun of being able to say she did that for somebody. But that was a very, very funny moment, for sure. It was really good. We also got to meet Travis from Brouhaha Games. They're the company that we won our copy of Azul from through Facebook. Uh, that's him. And he was at the Tuesday Night Podcast, so we actually got to meet him and talk to him for a second. And we got to play Two Rooms and a Boom with Alan and some of the other people that went to the podcast along with Travis. And I screwed that up, but it's okay. It's okay. We, we had never played before, and we played with a prototype, uh, basically prototype cards or something Alan's been working on. So it was like extra complex. I wouldn't say extra complex, but it's for stuff for people who've been playing the game. So newbies like us were already like, how do we play the full game? Like, not actually, not how the rules work, but what's the strategies and what's the, the tactics and techniques you need to utilize. And so that's something that we weren't sure of. But it was still very fun, and I enjoyed that a lot. Also, shout out to Travis. His Kickstarter, Pumpkin Patch, got funded. Yes, it did, which is super exciting. We also got to nerd out for a solid 20 minutes on our walk back to the convention hall because he is an industrial organizational psychologist. And so I've taken one IO psychology class in undergrad where I learned about the layout of grocery stores. So I kind of felt like I was cool enough to talk to him. But we had really great conversation. He's a really neat guy and you should check out his game. Yes, definitely do that. So we got to meet him. We got to meet Danny from Danny and Derek do board games. He was working at the Deepwater booth, Deepwater Games booth, where we picked up Welcome To, which is a very good Roland Wright that uses cards. We got to meet Nolan Nasser. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He did a promo card for Hanami Koji, which we also picked up that new printing through Deepwater Games and got that card and got to sit and talk to him for a second. Both very, very nice. So that was super awesome. Uh, Nolan does really good work with art. There's so many people. We got to briefly meet Katie Aidley from England. She was there with, I cannot remember the war game company, but we checked out their game. It's a Richard Borg game, which if you know his name, he did Memoir 44, Command and Colors and stuff like that. And it's all about dogfighting between the English and the Germans. Nazis. The Nazis. So that was really cool. So we got to meet Katie real quickly. Tim Fowers. From Tim Fowers, Fowers and I, our lives have crossed in the past because my submission to the Tuesday Night Games podcast was on the Tim Fowers episode and Tim Fowers approved my knighthood. That's very true. I don't think he remembered anything whenever <laughs> I brought it up to him. That's okay. That's okay. He's a busy man. But we got to meet him. I'm trying to think of who else we met at this con. Uh, we did get from the Tuesday Night Podcast show, Starship Samurai, and I had Isaac Vega sign it, because how could I not? I just want to gush about Isaac Vega for a second. He is the sweetest person. He's so sweet. And he gives great double hugs. Great hugs. And something I always look for in board games is diversity. So take Istanbul, for example. There are, what, 88 characters in it, and there's no females? There's not a lot of diversity there. But you look at Isaac Vega's games, and there is diversity all around. A lot of times what I see in board games where there's equal number of female and male players is that you have male or characters all over the age spectrum. So from age 18-ish to like age 80. But female characters are always like these 22-year-old females. What Isaac does is all of his games have not only non-white people, which is sometimes rare in board games, but it also has female characters that go across the age spectrum. It's not just that 22-year-old prim and proper, cute as a bug, little female character, but also the 60-year-old female, the 45-year-old female, the tired female. It's not just this one-dimensional character that he's creating. So I love and appreciate the diversity in his board game so much, and that just makes me want to buy more just because of that. Also, they're really excellent games, and he's a really excellent person, so that helps a lot. But still, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, Isaac Vega is with Plaid Hat Games out of Dallas. And so, like I said before, Dead of Winter, he did Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born, he did Starship Samurai. Plaid Hat Games themselves have put out Mice and Mystics, Stuffed Fables, Crystal Clans. So they've got a lot of big titles on the market right now. But Isaac was super awesome to sit and talk to. And like Haley said, he gave the best double hugs. There's going to be people we met too that we do not remember their names. There was Joe and John that we played Coimbra with. Yes. I believe they follow, follow yeah. us on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. They were super nice. We played with some people. I don't remember their names. It was a girl and a guy when we played Reef. And there was two guys we played with when we played Ticket to Ride New York. And then two guys we played with when we played uh, Teo Tehuacan. I wish I knew how to pronounce it correctly, but that's why I'm going to stick with it for now. I also met a lot of people after my presentation. Yeah, we had somebody tell Haley it was the best presentation she had seen all con. And then somebody that stopped her on Sunday, the last day, and tell her thank you for the great presentation. So that was really, really cool. It was really fun, too. And shout out to Delton. Delton is editing my presentation, and I use my hands a lot, and I say um a lot. But Delton's working really hard to make sure it's squeaky clean and pretty, so I appreciate it. I won't take out the ums, though, because being that it's on video, I don't want the video to be choppy. Is this going to be my mouth open with no sound coming out? Yeah, that's what I that's like what a, I want to avoid. Like a fish. But or I'm almost done with it. I just have to add like an intro, an outro slide, and then I'm gonna put her PowerPoint slides in the video because you can't see them through the recording because I had to brighten it where you could see Haley since the room was awkwardly dark. Because I'm pale as night. That too. I will say we got to be on the Tuesday night podcast, if ever so briefly, me and Haley both. So thank you, Alan and Sean, for that. And I don't know who else we met. We met a lot of people. And so we forgot to mention you. We will likely regret it right after we turn this microphone off and mention you next episode. Yes, or something. I'll post it on Twitter. I don't know. But Gen Con was awesome because we met so many stinking people and got to sit and chat with people and talk with people and have these conversations and actually not just hand a business card and we're a podcast, listen to us, but actually make connections and friends and connecting with these people in a way that when we see them at another con, we can say hi our memories will jog and we get to play a game together, hopefully, and are making true connections and making true friends, I think. As everybody at Gen Con was so nice and we're so appreciative of that. Definitely. So it was a very, very good experience there. Um, aside from the people, we got to see a lot of artwork. They had Steve Argyle, who's one of the big magic players. They had Peter Moerbacher, another good artist. We got to see a bunch of other awesome art. We got to see some cool cosplay around, even though they always stopped in the middle of the walkway and all that crap. To take pictures. Dumb. People with stupid rolling suitcases. I judge you if you take a rolling suitcase. I only saw two, and I accidentally kicked one. Accidentally. Also, children strollers. I get it, but it takes up the space of four people. Ugh, I'm also very... Uh, <laughs> I hate when I can't take take full steps. He ran into me the entire con. He was adamant about walking behind me. But I lost my boot at least 14 times a day because Delta's trying to take his big boy steps behind a little person. I like taking full steps. I hate when my stride is cut and I have to, like, tiptoe. There's 65,000 people in this goddamn con. And no one knows how to walk without stopping. Delta. makes me stop. No. I did pretty good, I think. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else big that we saw? Aside from the awesomeness that is the consignment store? I don't think so. I did a math trade. I traded away a Kuza and I brought home Dice City. Sealed. So that was cool. Dice, dice city bit. Yep. Um, oh, thank you to Will Anderson for the two. I don't think they're called trial decks, but they rebooted Card Fight Vanguard, 
and he gave me the two like beginner decks that they were giving out at the event because I talked to him on Twitter and told him I was wanting to play it and asked about the event he was helping with. And so he gave those to me so me and Haley can learn. He's such a nice person, too. Very, very nice. So I appreciate that a lot. I'm trying to think of who else we met. I really can't think of anybody. So what else did we see? Just more board games, board games everywhere, all the new stuff that's going to be coming out. So that brings us to our question of the episode. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. What was your favorite thing to see or do at Gen Con? So this is a really hard one. We've been thinking about this of, you know, what's going to be our favorite moment? What was our favorite thing we did? Was it a game we played? Was it your presentation? Was it something we got to view, someone we got to meet, things like that? I'm not sure what my exact favorite moment was, but I think in my brain, probably my number one was honestly meeting and talking to Quan Chai Moria. He's such a great artist and one of my all-time favorite artists in the board game industry. I just think he, like I said, is arguably the best right now. He's so extremely good at doing different things, diverse things, and he's got such a unique style and color palette, I feel like, that, I, I mean, I did. I just fangirled out the whole time. I just complimented him, and it was so cool to sit and talk to somebody that when I look at his art, I just go, this guy's got talent. And so for me, that was a big deal just to sit and be able to talk to him. Like, I really, really enjoyed that a lot because it's not every day you meet one of your favorite artists. It was a really fun experience. And he is a nice person, which just provides a layer and layer and layer of awesome in the cake that is Quan Chai Moria. Yes. So what was your favorite thing? I absolutely loved sitting with Idol Michael and playing his game, Holding On the Life of Billy Kerr. Yes. That was my favorite part of the con, and I am so ready to play it again. And next year, we have to take Idol Michael to that wrestling bar. Yes, we found a, a bar uh, north of downtown Indianapolis that had wrestling stuff on the walls, like an old VHS of WrestleMania 3, the big famous one where Hulk Hogan finally, uh, they bring in Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan defeats him. That was, you know, a huge moment in the wrestling world. And so they had this wrestling kind of theme bar with great vegan bar food. So we want to take Michael there next time if we get a chance to. But yeah, playing, holding on with Michael was just such a fun time. With Michael was pretty awesome. Yes, he is an amazing person, super sweet as well, and hilarious. Yes. He also tried to kill a guy on the Tuesday Night Podcast, which you'll hear about if you go listen to their episode. Stay tuned for more. Yeah, right. So I think that rounds out the episode. I know this episode ran a little long, but I just wanted to vent about some of the things we did at Gen Con. I um, think your standing hypothesis worked because you're standing up, you're not tired, you're jumping up I'm and sweaty. down like a little bunny, you're really sweaty, yep. and we're still talking an hour and 10 minutes in. Exactly. I am going to run through a quick list of the things I picked up, just so people know. I grabbed Arboretum, Hanami Koji, I picked up my Kickstarter copies of That's Not Lemonade, I picked up Welcome To, we got the review copy of the Sagrada expansion, we got Paperback, Unabridged, is that right? The expansion for it, we got Hardback. Starship Samurai, Great Western Trail, My Little Scythe, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Altiplano, Dice City, Last Will, with the expansion from the consignment store, Trade on the Tigris or Tigris, Windake, Lowlands, uh, Gith, Coimbra. We got those two decks of Card Fight Vanguard from Will. We also got Mothership, which is Sean from Tuesday Night Games, his horror sci fi RPG that he wrote and has produced. I also got the book. I cannot think of the name of the book. I think it's called Dead Planet, uh, but it's underneath it over there. I can't read it from here because it's underneath the, the main copy. 
I picked those up, obviously had him sign Mothership, but it's an RPG book. Super stoked about playing that. I think it looks phenomenal, and I love horror sci-fi. I think that's such a great combo. So I think that's really rounds out everything we picked up. Oh, I guess I got the Two Rooms and a Boom expansion, the Necroboomicon as well from Tuesday night. Got a lot of good stuff, a lot of good games, older games that I've been wanting, some newer games I've been wanting, and we've been playing already. So far, it's been Welcome to an Arboretum, and we're looking forward to playing the rest of these and uh, looking forward to BGGCon for me later this year and hopefully Gen Con again next year. We are. So I think that really wraps up this episode now. Don't forget to follow us at Malthouse Games on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. Everything you do if you could. If you would, please, please, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star awesome review and tell people how awesome we are. It helps people find us, gives us a higher rating. So when people type in tabletop games or tabletop podcast, it helps us get projected a little higher toward the top and hopefully overcome the hurdle of a new starting podcast. So follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, even though we're kind of inactive on there a little bit. Follow us everywhere you can. My personal stuff is at Delton Brack. Haley's personal is at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. Squirrely Geek. Yep, that is at Squirrely Geek. If you have any questions you want us to answer on the podcast, you have any comments, anything like that, if you just have a topic that you want us to talk about or a game that you think we should review or talk about on the episode, send it to us in an email, contact at malthousegames.com. We should probably spell Malthouse every once in a while. M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. So Malthouse is spelled, Malt is normal, house is the German way. We should mention how cute Delton is. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Anyway, please like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Uh, we, I guess that's everything. I keep feeling like we have something else to say or something else to do. Thanks. I think it's just nice to be back in the routine of normal life and the podcast episode, this one. I've been looking forward to recording. We've missed you all, and we thank you all very much. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. Toodaloo! See you all. 